Father, we are grateful that your Holy Spirit speaks to us in incredible ways. And Lord, as we gather together and we continue in worship and in praise to you and and understanding your word, we just want to say thank you. We love you, Father. And Lord, for each of our brothers and sisters just in this room, Lord, we all come here heavy or light. We come with incredible needs or things are fine. Maybe it was hard just to walk into the door. But Lord, we thank you that in your presence that you will give us exactly what we need. And Lord, would you do that for each of us this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. A little different this morning. There's no PowerPoint presentation. We're going to be just looking and reading through the story, the journey of Joseph and Mary. And not to focus, per se, on the birth of Jesus, as we will get more to that as we get closer to the Christmas day, but to focus instead on what was it like for Joseph and for Mary. Talk about a messy first year of marriage. It was theirs. Things started to come at that against them or in their lives. They had no idea was going to come their way. And they began a journey And that journey is the same journey that disciples went on and the apostles went on and how you and I have gone on as we have entered into this relationship with the living God. And there are times, as we've been singing this morning, where on our journey, it doesn't make sense. And as we look at their journey this morning, we will see some pretty incredible things and some pretty horrible things all mixed up together. Joseph and Mary living in that small town of Nazareth, somewhere around 500, 1,000 people falling in love, becoming betrothed. In those days, it was more than engagement. It was a legal decision they had entered into. All they needed to do now was have the, the celebration feast, and then she would go to live with him. But legally, they are husband and wife, and then traditionally there is this gap. And it's within this gap time that Mary's world is turned upside down. And we see it in Luke chapter 1. In verse 26, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and he said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. 
He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Do you think that shook her world? She's just a teenager. And here she has this incredible supernatural experience with the angel Gabriel who stands in the presence of Almighty God. And he says... A miracle is going to take place. Your baby is going to be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. He will be on the throne of David. His reign will never end. Do you think she was shook by those words? What do you even begin to do and think about for your life at that time? Well, the angel had said to her, something else supernatural is happening. It's happening with your relative, with Elizabeth. And Mary, boom, packs her bags, and she is off directly to see Elizabeth. And so we pick that story up in verse 39 of Luke 1. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold... When the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Can you imagine the conversations that started to take place between these two relatives? Here is Elizabeth, much older. Mary has come into that house. And they just sat down and they said, what happened to you? What is the miracle? As these two women having these incredible children growing in their wombs now because of miraculous work of Almighty God. And they're sitting there and they're just going over this and they're saying, now, what did Gabriel look like to you? (laughs) You know, how many wings did he have? No, that's just not. What did he say? What did he say about your son, John? What did he say to you, Mary, about your son that is to be called Jesus? And Zechariah was brought in, and of course he can't talk at this point, and he's just writing down all the experiences 
they were on a spiritual high. God had come to earth, and they were experiencing this fruit, and they were enjoying one another's presence and the direction and the miracle of God that was happening. And it leads Mary to just give this praise up to God that just reflects all that is going on in in Mary and Elizabeth and Zechariah. And in verse 46, she says, Mary said, the soul, my, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and then returned home. Mary stayed with Elizabeth three months. She stayed until she witnessed the birth of John the Baptist. She was there when Zechariah's mouth was open, and he gave these incredible praises to God. And it says that the whole region was in awe of God because of this miracle that happened to this old woman and what had happened with with Zechariah. And all of these things taking place. And then Mary returns back to Nazareth. But what should she find when she got to Nazareth? Maybe let's put it this way. Let's say we have a couple here in our church, and they're engaged to be married. And the girl decides that she needs to go back to her home country for a few months. And after three months, she comes back, and she's pregnant. What is our reaction to that? What was Joseph's reaction to that? Well, we find in the book Gospel of Matthew, the only place that's recorded this part of the story. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Joseph felt betrayed. Joseph is wondering, who was the guy? Why would Mary break trust with him, break trust with God, and go into that evil type 
of relationship. The law was very clear on this. Deuteronomy chapter 22. If a man happens to meet in a town a virgin pledged to be married and he sleeps with her, you shall take both of them to the gate of that town and stone them to death. As time went on in Israel and man's laws came intertwined with what was happening from Deuteronomy, there was really two things that would happen at that time in that situation. And the first is that the man can take the woman to court and have this huge court case and have her shamed. Or the second thing he can do is he can quietly give her a certificate of divorce. Do you think Mary shared with Joseph about the angel and what the angel said? I'm sure she did. And Joseph says, I don't believe it. So they come to this situation that if we read too fast through these few words, we miss this incredible pain, confusion that is happening on Joseph's side. Poor Mary, all she has done is told the truth. But there is this spiritual reality of the angel coming and the, and the holy word of God given to her. And then there is this earthly reality that Joseph is in. And the earthly reality says women don't get pregnant on their own. God intervenes. But as he considered these things, Joseph, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. I think Joseph at that point, I, I think he was, he was so relieved. Actually, Mary did love him. Mary didn't cheat on him. Mary has been faithful. But I read this passage, and I kind of identify, in a sense, with this stuff that Joseph went in, and I have to ask the question, God, why didn't you give Joseph the dream before Mary came back? Mary would come back. Joseph would understand everything. Why did Joseph have to go through these feelings of betrayal and hurt and confusion? Because I believe God did it on purpose. He did it for their benefit. He did it to explain to them some principles that they will need in the very short time ahead. And I believe what God wanted Joseph to come to understand is that there are times 
when the earthly reality looks completely true, but it's not. That this spiritual reality, even when this earthly reality looks impossible, hold true to this. And Joseph, when he went through all of those emotions and he came out the other side realizing that everything he felt and thought was wrong according to the spiritual reality. But it was this earthly reality that was controlling his emotions and his reactions. And I think this is the point for us this morning where we will find ourselves over and over and as we will see as we move on in the story that our earthly realities are saying this is impossible. And yet we hold on to this spiritual truth and promise of God no matter what this is. So we go back to Luke, to Luke chapter 2. They have been together now six months. During that six months, Mary has come to be with Joseph. What is the community saying about them? The community, I believe, either everyone in Nazareth believed the story about the angel or nobody believed the story of the angel or there's a mixture. You choose. The scriptures don't really talk about it. I would imagine that as Mary walked through the streets of that little village, the ladies were whispering, adulterer. And I think that she became more and more pregnant, and everyone knew that the men would come to Joseph and say, what is wrong with you? Be a man and divorce her. And as much as they tried to explain the spiritual truth that was happening, there were still people in the community who didn't get it. And so then, the time came where the baby was going to be born, and at the worst time possible, a decree, decree comes out from Caesar. Luke chapter 2. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, laid him in the manger because there was no room for them in the inn. So six months of probably a very difficult time. And then right when she's ready to deliver, they have to make a journey of four to seven days of somewhere close to 100 miles. You mothers out there, imagine yourself in your last couple weeks of pregnancy getting on a donkey and riding to El Ain. I mean, you begin to think about the stress of that, the physical uh, journey that that would be in those days. You think about when they eventually get there. Bethlehem is in chaos. 
because there's just so many people there because they had to go to register. There isn't even a place. Can you imagine the panic with Joseph? Just to care for his family. Where is she going to have this baby? Where's the midwife? How is it all going to happen? Where are we going to stay? And he's going from place to place to place. We're talking about months and months and months of difficulties. Maybe confusion. Maybe fear. Teresa and I, we, we, we know a little bit about this. We were in Tunisia, hoping to spend the rest of our lives in Tunisia. We were there nine months. Our visas weren't renewed. You know how those things kind of work. We had to leave. And complicated story, but we needed to go to Jordan. And Teresa's in her ninth month. Can't fly. So we load up our car, <clears throat> get at the ferry to Italy, drive across down through the old Yugoslavia, through Greece, all the way through Turkey, then down through Damascus and Syria until we arrived in Jordan, and our daughter was born two weeks after we arrived. There was pressure in that trip. Let's not divorce ourselves from the pressures that we see as we read between the lives and lines and put it into real living. And so here they were, having gone through all of this, maybe... This was the down point in terms of that build-up of pressure. And I wonder, after all of those months of that situation that we've discussed, it's this earthly reality that they're just living in day after day. If they're going back to the angel, what the angel said, that he will be great. He will be called Son of the Most High. He will be given the throne of David. There will be no end to his kingdom. And they're holding on to this, and they sure don't see it in their life. Actually, all they've had up to this point, the last six months, is pain and suffering and confusion. But what is happening down the road in the fields when this baby is being born? All heaven has opened up. And all heaven is worshiping God because salvation has come to mankind. And here we have Joseph and Mary maybe going through the most difficult time of suffering they've ever experienced. And at the same time, God is working one of his greatest works of salvation and they're happening at the same time. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was, with the angel, a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is 
pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem. See this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. All of a sudden, this little town of Bethlehem is shook because these guys have come in from the, from the fields and they have declared this incredible supernatural story. And people all around them in Bethlehem, as the gossip goes out and the story goes out, there's something going on. There's something special about this family. Their journey continues. At the end of eight days... When he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. So this is some 40 days later. Joseph and Mary, they are not rich. They are poor, desperately poor. They take him there to Jerusalem. And there, according to the law, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. That's the least you could get. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit, that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for a glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. The shepherds have come with this incredible revelation of heaven opening and worship of God. They take him to the temple, and here is this, this prophet who has come and who has in publicly blessed Jesus and said these incredible things about him. And so then they go back into the house that they're now living in in Bethlehem. And we find out what goes next. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose. And we have come to worship him. Dignitaries, rich, people from afar, Gentiles. This shook Jerusalem to the core, including King Herod at the time. 
Who are these people? What are they doing? When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem, all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes to the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea. For so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go, search diligently for the child. When you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and they worshipped him. Can you see this caravan coming into this little town of Bethlehem? Powerful, wealthy people. They find the house. They fall on their faces in front of Jesus. And then they open their treasures and they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, myrrh. Joseph and Mary's life has turned in 180 degrees. Since they came to Bethlehem, all they have had is they have entered back into the spiritual truth of what God is doing in their lives. And now they're seeing this promise of what this, the angel has said, that their child will be great, their child would be king, their child would be on the throne forever. Now it seems like the earthly reality has caught up with the heavenly reality. What happens next? You know, if you're marrying Joseph, you're probably thinking, finally, things are the way we expected. Things are the way they should be for a king. Who knows what they were thinking? But what happens next? Herod, in his jealousy, is going to search out this baby to murder it. And eventually, what does Herod do? Herod sends his army in and slaughters every child in Bethlehem two years and under. And so Joseph and Mary, having all these incredible spiritual experiences, all of a sudden, the middle of the night, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. And he said, rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt. And remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose, and he took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt. And he remained there until the death of Herod. Their world just went upside down again. The spiritual reality of the, of the kingship of their son. And now, what are they doing? They're running for their lives. 
Do you think they experienced fear that night? When your lives are threatened, when your, when your child's life is threatened? Yeah, I've had colleagues who've had those kind of threats. One family in Yemen, bomb went off in their house, in their courtyard, a small bomb to get their attention. And then they found the note on the windshield of their Land Rover. Leave immediately or we will kill your children. Joseph and Mary are fleeing in the middle of their night for their lives. And somehow this earthly reality that is going on all around them and this spiritual reality are two different worlds. And they finally make their way, and now they're in Egypt. They're not even in the country where their baby is supposed to be the king. They're refugees. And they stay there in that land until there's another dream. And in that dream, he's told that he can go back. And and it says that they tried to go to Judea. They wanted to go to that place around Bethlehem where people knew about what had happened with, with Zechariah and with, and with Elizabeth. They knew about the shepherds and the, and the magi that had come, but in the end, they couldn't even stay there. And where did they end up going? All the way back up to Nazareth with a group of people that actually probably weren't that much on their side to begin with. Quite the first year of marriage. But what do I see in this for us? I think probably many of us here in this room, we actually can relate a lot to that. We have these truths that God has given to us, and yet the reality that that we're living in right now is like, God, where are you in the midst of this? And so I've come with some things that I've gleaned from this. The first is a list of what I would call false expectations that we may have in terms of how God works. What does it mean to be on our Christian journey? And the first thing is, is a false expectation is that everything is going to be good except Jesus and everything is going to be fine in your life. Nothing will happen that is bad along the way. There will be no physical danger There will be no wants. Everything will be provided. As we grow in our faith, we just grow in comfort. We grow in our fruitfulness. And life is just good. I would imagine most of us here would say that's not our testimony. It's not mine. Actually, my journey, our journey reflects very much more Joseph and Mary. So what can we grab from this that we can hold when we see that too often these two worlds are are totally different? Not to be controlled by the earthly reality, but to hold fast to who God is. Here's some things that, that have spoken to me. One, God can be trusted. What he says here is true. 
God can be trusted no matter what is going on around us. The second thing, God will accomplish his purposes. And all along the way in that story, there's a reference to how prophecies were being fulfilled. God was not surprised by any of the difficulties or sufferings that Joseph and Mary went through. Not one. His purposes were being fulfilled all along the way for his glory. He will accomplish his purpose in your life. He will do that. The third thing, God will use us in his eternal plan. God is partnering with his people. We are his ambassadors, he calls us. We are his fellow workers, his fellow soldiers. That's who we are. God is going to use us, which means some of our journey can be rough. Fourth thing, confusion, difficulties, sufferings will be part of the journey. Brothers and sisters, let's just get that down now. If they persecuted me, Jesus said, they will persecute you. It is part of our journey. The fifth thing is that there will be times when everything seems to collapse and that God's promises have failed. That happens three different times in this story with Joseph and Mary. There will be those times. That's when we don't look at this earthly reality. We hold, hold to the truths that we know. The sixth thing is that our God, he will guide us each step of the way, just like he did for them. He may not tell us us this whole picture of the next 10 years. He may only say, get up in the middle of the night and go. But be assured, brothers and sisters, he will tell you the next step of where he wants you to go. And we can trust him for that. And that finally is our thing. Our last point is just this. Our job, our job is to trust him. To trust him and then to obey God. To follow him wherever he leads wherever he tells us to go, holding fast. He loves us. Our home is with him in heaven. We are only sojourners on this earth and that he's going to direct us to a country, to a job, to relationships for his purposes so that his eternal gospel plan is going to go forward. And we're with him and partnering in that. And let's not hide from the suffering or the difficulties or the confusion that may come in the midst of it. It's part of the package. But let us hold true to him. Father God, we thank you for your allowing us to look into the lives of this young couple that went through things we can't really even imagine. But Father, we want to be people who trust you like they did. Every step of the way, Mary said, I trust you, I follow you, I obey you. Joseph obeyed you every step of the way. Father God, hear our cry. We want to be those people. We want to follow you and obey your voice, even in the midst of incredible difficulties. 
and when we are living in a fog and we don't know what's going to happen next, you are our God, our King, our Savior. And it's to you and to you alone that we give all the praise. We love you, Father. We love you, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit. The one in three, receive our praise this day, for you are glorious. And we thank you in Jesus' name.